Hello folks, my name is Maddie B, and you are listening to an episode of There's Too Much to Think. For those who are new, this is a podcast where I mostly focus on true crime, but in between the big cases, or in the case that there's a holiday around the corner, I'll do a little bit of a side tangent. Given how heavy and frankly long the last episode was, I thought we could all have a little bit more fun and have a bit more of an upbeat episode. As I'm sure you can tell by the title of this episode, I'm going to take you to a place of spooky today with the ghosts of the University of Notre Dame. Um, or Notre Dame. There are some people who pronounce it Notre Dame, like the place in um, France, and then there's some people that pronounce it Notre Dame, so I don't know which one is correct. It has been a minute since my last, uh, only, and last haunted college episode, which was Smith Smith College, so enough chit-chat, let's dive right in to the second most haunted university in the U.S. So before we dive into too much spookiness, let's talk a little history about the University of Notre Dame, which I realize that like other people say Notre Dame. Um, That's wrong. (laughs) Um, You know, you know, uh, regional dialect. Deal with it if I said it wrong. Um, So, according to Robert Lewis over there at Encyclopedia Britannica, this university has been around since 1842. For those who don't know, this school was founded by the Congregation of the Holy Cross, which is apparently a French religious community, which was led by Father Edward Sorin. Sorin would be the president uh, from the university's founding um, to about 1865. So this should be a surprise to no one when I say they are still religious to this day and this university is affiliated with the Roman Catholic Church. It should also surprise no one that this university was originally a, men, a men's college, which is ridiculous in my opinion. And before you go saying like, but Maddie, this was a sign of the times. If it was so, like, if it was such a part of the times, then why in the world would they build an entirely separate school called St. Mary's Academy, now known as St. Mary's College, just two years after <laughs> in 1844? I would just like to point out that instead of letting the women in, they took money, time, and effort into building a completely different school. That is all. So, the, this university wasn't just a men's college either. It included an elementary school and a college prep school. Uh, th- that was until the 1920s when the schools were discontinued and just became a part of the university. It did not become a co-ed university until 1972. Just like Smith College, this university also turned out some 
pretty familiar names. Most notable alumni would either become presidents of other colleges and universities, but there were also famous names when it came to Congress, actors, and authors. So in Congress, you might recognize the names that I'm about to say. Um, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, not gonna say anything, not gonna say at all that she looks like Umbridge from Harry Potter. Um, the next person is Condoleezza, Condoleezza Rice, and Joe Donnelly. Um, in entertainment, we got Stephen McFree, Mc, McFeely, a screenwriter for Infinity War and Captain America. We got John Walker, a film producer at Pixar. We got Tim Russell, who's most famous for his radio voice. We got Ted Leo, who is a punk rock musician, and so on. Interesting, author Nicholas Sparks of The Notebook also graduated from the University of Notre Dame in Indiana. So, now with enough background, let's get into the spooky stuff. Alright, so let's get into the ghost of Washington Hall. So, according to Scholastic, the University of Notre Dame's student-run newspaper, I'll say Notre Dame for y'all, um, author Martha Zayton interviews Kathleen Von Vliet, uh, who is a faculty member who has worked at Washington Hall for about 17 years. Von Vliet claims that the ghost of Washington Hall differs depending on who you're talking to. Most believe that it is the ghost um, of a student named George Gipp. So who's, who was George Gipp? George Gipp, according to the College Football Hall of, Fla Hall of Fame blog, was nicknamed the Gipper, um, and he was a quarterback and punter for the Fighting Irish, the team of Notre Dame. Um, and was on the team from 1917 to 1920. Gip would pass away in December 1920. Zayton from Scholastic mentions that back in the day, the school had a curfew and the doors would automatically lock at night, where he knew he would be late for curfew. Uh, on the nights that he knew he would be late for curfew uh, due to practice or some other college reason, he would leave one of the windows open, this being the old days, there was no window screens, um, where he would then climb in and be able to get to his dorm, right? It wasn't automatically in his dorm, but it was just a random window that he chose on his side of the hallway, or the hall. Um, but, uh, I went off script and I lost my place. So, that night in December, though, someone had shut the window that he had opened previously and the doors into the building were locked. Uh, not wanting to get in trouble, Gip decided to chance it and just found a place outside to sleep. Some of my sources say that he slept in a field. Some of them say he slept on the fire escape. Either way, at 25 years old, Gip died of pneumonia. 
Given that this school is from the 1840s, it should surprise no one that this school has hid plenty of tragedies. According to, uh, according to an article done by Only in Your State by author Tori Jane, she claims that there are many recorded deaths in the school's history, either because of accidents, sickness, or old age. To the point where there's even a cemetery on campus where priests, faculty, and other cap campus residents are buried. Um, another popular ghost that um, that haunts this place is a student professor named Jim M Minavini, who died in 1919. Why he died is unknown. However, he is known to play his French horn in the middle of uh, in the middle of the night, despite everyone who was in the dorm trying to sleep. While this would be initially cute, I would end up losing my fucking mind if I woke up to that every night, especially during finals week, which is right around the corner, and I'm screaming. So, according to the same article, as well as the one done by Scholastic that I keep mentioning, there are many other ghosts that are said to have haunted the building. According, but not limited to, a worker who accidentally fell off the roof during construction of the hall, and a priest who died while watching a movie in the Hall's Theater in, 19, in the 1950s. Why he died is unknown. It could have been old age, or it could have been something different. Now, that being said, just because this hall is the most famous doesn't mean that there aren't weirder parts around campus. So let's get into those real quick. Alrighty, so the main building on campus is one where there may not be any visible spookies, but there are some strange vibes. According to three separate articles that I found, which will be linked in the show notes down below, the main building of Notre Dame, I'm saying it correctly, even though my brain wants to go hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, it had been burned down once in the past, over 140 years ago, on April 23rd, 1879, a fire broke out when construction workers were repairing the roof of the building. While everyone managed to get away safely, they could not get buckets of water to the flame fast enough, so they just had to sit back and watch it burn. Shortly after this devastation, they set to rebuilding in the exact same spot as the old one. As I said before, while there might not be any visible happenings that are taking place in the building, the building is still quite creepy when you start to think about how the current one is built right on top of the bones of the other one, and that's why people get strange vibes. Another creepy spot, unsurprisingly, on campus is the creepy cemetery. <laughs> this spot is deemed a second biggest hotspot for creepy happenings because of course it's a cemetery and it is only second to Washington Hall. Short and sweet. Um, now let's get on to personal experiences that people have reported saying um, when it comes to sightings and happenings and whatnot.
According to an archived article from the 70s done by The Observer, many of the things you'll experience in Washington Hall are, quote, pianos playing, curtains rustling, people fainting, shoulders being tapped, and people being knocked out, end quote. They even held a seance where apparently the ringleader was possessed and began to recite poetry they had never known. Similarly, via a Ouija board, it was revealed that there were 10 ghosts haunting Washington Hall. Never use a fucking Ouija board. I'm gonna say that right now. If the Ouija board gets brought out at a party, leave the party. Don't trust it. I don't care if you believe in it. It's best not to tempt with anything you don't know. The Ghostly Podcast also did an episode on the University of Notre Dame where they tell a similar story of a group of students who had gone to Washington Hall with a Ouija board after hearing about the ghosts. Why you would do that, I have no clue. They needed to split the group into two due to how many people were in the group. The first group only managed to get the the letters SG and goodbye on the board. The second group got the same. Realizing they weren't going to get any any more answers, they decided to leave. As they got up to leave, they got they ran into a security guard. S G. Ghostly also reports that Edward Soren, the founder of, is said to haunt the place itself, passing away on Halloween in 1897. He is said to be wandering around campus, keeping an eye on things. He um, has two distinct sightings, however. One during a renovation of the main building in the 60s. The workers there were said to see an old priest with a long beard. But here's the kicker. He had no feet and other workers would later say that they could see the man pass through walls. In the dining hall, a woman was washing dishes and said that she turned around and saw a white figure floating near the front, near the doors of the dining room. Later, she says she saw a picture of Father Soren and claimed that that was the figure she saw. In relation to the man who fell to his death and those experiences, in 1968, a group of students decided they wanted to play a prank to scare those who had been believing that they that they were the gripper. They had a white sheet, camera, football helmet, etc. Um, Real big pranksters. When they were exploring the building, they were feeling some weird vibes. Um, When they then started to take the photos and tried to turn on the lights, the switch refused to stay on the quote on position. It kept falling down. So um, shortly after they heard footsteps, a flash of light and then moaning, and then they quickly booked it out of there, which that's what you were supposed to do. You weren't supposed to go in that hall anyway, but regardless. In regards to the priest that died in the movie theater, many people say he is a pol- he is polite and all he wants is for you to open the window, uh, for which he even says please at the end. Uh, one day he asks the custodian to open the window, but the custodian is like, I don't know you, like get off the property. And he says, quote, it's quite all right. I come with the building, end quote. While that response might seem a little spooky, I just can't help thinking about this polite old man. Like, of course, I'll open the one f- window for you, polite old man. Like, here, let me let me open the window for you. Um, 
Aside from this, he can be seen uh, from gazing out the window, and a common theme is that the teacher has red hair and an Irish accent. Um, so, yeah. While a most recent sighting is in 2010, when a student was working at a small restaurant in the south side of the dining hall, uh, the student reported hearing a radio turn on in the pantry, but he was the only one there. So, there are many other sightings, but these are the most common, and I figured I would let y'all know. With that, that is the end of the episode. Please stick around for the conclusion. It'll be here shortly. So that is the end of this episode of There's Too Much to Think. I hope you enjoyed. Um, please let me know if um, if you're on Spotify or whatnot. Um, you can let me know on like Instagram posts um, if you want which haunted college I should do next. I'm mostly just doing the ones that college consensus um, talks about. And so this is technically the second most haunted college in the, the Americas. So there's like some someone, something across, across the pond that I don't know about. Let me know. Um... Speaking of Instagram, I have I now have an official Instagram for those who haven't followed. It's there's too much to think pod. Um, I can be found. This podcast can be found anywhere: Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple, Google, anywhere. Um, so if you have somebody that doesn't have Spotify but has some somewhere else. Um, let them know if they have interest in this. Um, this episode was edited by my partner, um, Melo Tonin on YouTube. I will have it spelled out for you in the show notes with my sources and my own socials, but it's M-E-L-L-O-W-T-O-N-I-N. If you like stoner shit, that's what he posts. He does funny little stoner clips on YouTube. Now, that is the end. I hope y'all have a fun time. Next week, I will come back with something that's, you know, your usual true crime. I just needed a break from that awful case (laughs) uh, last week. Um, And yeah, it was, it was a doozy. It was, it was a long one. So I wanted a short, sweet, simple one, a little spooky uh, for you today. So with that, Maddie B, signing off.